0: Hi there, podcast listeners. Thanks for tuning in, or whatever it is that we do. We don't really tune anything anymore, but I'm glad I tuned my ukulele when I uh, made up this little song, which I've now forgotten how to play, so it's a good (laughs) thing I recorded it. That's the problem with being a kind of a dilettante ukulele player who doesn't really have an education in music particularly. Anyway, not to say that it isn't a swell little air. Uh, I wanted to talk about something that... uh, might affect you. I think it does. And uh, it's a little disrelated to my general theme of impressions and acting and so forth. But um, nonetheless, I thought it was uh, worthy of uh, working out uh, in my mind and then sharing with you. Uh, I've been listening to uh, intermittently to a very interesting other podcast that I stumbled across. And it's one that I I think uh, I, I, I want to highly recommend it. It's called uh, Hardcore History. Look for that on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hardcore history. Uh, a guy named Dan Carlin, He's, an, I guess he's a historian. I don't know too much about him, but he sure is a voracious student of history. And he has a very engaging and uh, interesting, fascinating podcast full of a lot of drama, to say the least. Anyway, I like to listen to podcasts about history. I like to study history. I don't really sit down and read history books, particularly like, like Dan Carlin. Obviously does, but I like to listen to them. And whenever I, well, I've narrated books about history, and that's probably the most history I've read in recent years, actually read. I read out loud a whole history about ancient Greece and Rome and Egypt that was just uh, amazing, a uh, very difficult book to read because you don't know how a lot of these words are pronounced, frankly, of these different tribes and people and things that are like 2,000 years old. I get two results from listening to podcasts about history. One is positive, one maybe not so positive. The not-so-positive result of studying history or listening to podcasts like uh, Hardcore History is that you get very sad about the the condition of mankind uh, generally on this planet. Uh, In other words, being trapped in an endless cycle of senseless wars, basically, and, and endless brutality, bullying, torture, victimization, overthrow, revolution, revolt, you know, the whole, the panoply. So that can be kind of depressing, frankly, because it looks like, wow, this this never ends. We're in this this uh, hamster cage, a uh, hamster wheel, a, cage, a wheel within a cage. You know, you thought the wheel was bad. Then you look, wake up and you see, oh, I'm actually in a cage. But the positive part of studying history is that when you read about all these things, I don't know, it tends to calm me down over the current upsets over politics and world events, because it looks like mankind has always believed that the world was about to blow up since earliest recorded history. And it hasn't yet. I mean, parts of it have, of course, blown up and there's been great tragedy, but the game didn't end. And maybe 600 BC, everybody was positive it was going to end maybe in, you know, during the Uh, Norman conquests, everyone thought it was going to end during the Dark Ages and uh, during the 1930s. and Anyway, right up to today. So perhaps it is in the nature of human beings to just feel doomed. And uh, so if you study history a little bit, the the crepe hanging of the present day kind of loses its power over me anyway. I come away feeling nothing can be quite as bad as it seems. That being said, there are always new threats and And things to do and targets to be met and improvements to be made uh, in order for us all to accomplish happiness, which is what we're all pursuing, happiness. So I wonder, I wonder to myself, I wonder to you, I invite you to think about how can we assure for ourselves a steady increase in our survival, a steady increase in survival as individuals, as, as members of a family, perhaps, perhaps as artists, how can we survive better? And there's some obvious answers. I can think of two right off. One is keep doing what you're doing. You know, if you're succeeding in any area of your life, if you're succeeding in your art or with your family or with your business, probably want to keep doing that. Figure out what you're doing and then work it into your schedule to repeat that, keep that going. That's very potent and, you know, kind of a no-brainer. Obviously, things change and sometimes the thing that you did before doesn't win anymore. But at the basic things that you're doing probably will win the other way to improve your survival i think is to be aware now awareness is one of those words that has gotten a little bit of a it's got a little bit of i won't say tarnish it's gotten a little bit co-opted it's gotten a little bit of uh you know kind of like dryer lint on it (laughs) something light and not too not too harmful Because sometimes we hear awareness talked about from sort of slanted uh, uh, sources, self-help people, mystical people, or politically correct people uh, use awareness as like, I don't know, it's a a sort of a word that's been a little bit compromised. And it can be degraded uh, a little when it comes from sources that you wish were more aware, actually. Uh, not that anybody is totally 100% aware, but you know there are people that are good examples of it and people that aren't. I think one of the things we revere about great athletes is that they have a tremendous amount of awareness, at least when they're playing their game. A, a really great Wimbledon player has astonishing awareness, not to mention speed and strength and strategy. But talking about awareness now, when we take it in its pure form, without any slant, without any curve to it, you know, awareness. I think you could you could easily see that it's pretty irreplaceable as as a human virtue. Uh, we wouldn't want to trade that in. Without awareness, we're pretty screwed. But awareness, like freedom, is something that has to be defended and nurtured. And I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that that one's awareness is continually these days under attack. You know, from oh marketers and video games and social media, for sure, uh, entertainment, drugs and alcohol, uh, things like that, other distractions. There's many, many distractions, right? And those are all assaults of one kind or another, one degree or another, uh, on our awareness. Now, you may not have considered these to be assaults on your awareness, but have you ever heard anybody say to you, you're not even listening to me, and thought that that was a weird way to start a conversation? <laughs> that's a, I stole that joke. I think that's a funny, uh, it's not a joke, but it's a witticism that I, I saw on social media the other day. So when that happens, and, and it happens to me all the time, unfortunately, something else is leveraging my awareness at that moment. It's usually Instagram. Uh, of course, we control our own awareness, don't we? By Hopefully, by channeling it into particular activities that we're involved in, intentionally becoming unaware of our environment. You know, we want to shut things off for a second and concentrate on something else. We are leveraging our own awareness. We're pointing it at something. Uh, and we do that for fun, for uh, for work, for study, for recreation. Uh, at the movies, for example, you know, you go to a movie and hopefully you're completely unaware of what's happening right outside the theater. It may be 30 feet away. Uh, it may be just beyond some doors. You want to be unaware of it while you're watching Solo, you know, a Star Wars movie or some other movie. You want to be in the dream that you paid for and not worried about, you know, some sounds or disturbances outside the theater. I go to a theater, uh, my wife and I and uh, our family, we go to a theater down called La Paloma in Cardiff by the Sea near Encinitas. Maybe it's in Encinitas. It's so close. Anyway, that's an old theater that is. built uh it wasn't built i don't think right next to the train track i think the train track (laughs) just appeared behind it one day in 1940 blah blah and uh oh my god when that train goes by this old theater just shakes and so whatever movie you're watching has a train in it uh which can be kind of off-putting but if you're used to it and it's charming that's fine but for a moment there your awareness gets thrust outside and you remember oh i'm not really in the alps I'm uh, in uh, San Diego. But you want to be ideally undisturbed by these things. Uh, If you get spillover noise from a train or a fight outside or, God forbid, gunfire or something like that, you're within your rights to go to the managers of the theater and demand your money back. And they generally give you a free ticket. Because your awareness has been compromised. You have been thrust out of the universe of that story and been brought back into this universe, the one that we all share most of the time. So I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Uh, video games, same thing. Social media, all the forms of entertainment. And, and they, it's okay because we realize there's a social contract there. They at least attempt to exchange with you for your expended attention. They're exchanging. They're giving you fun, excitement, stimulation, education, something of value to you of one kind or another. And you're giving them attention. But so if that's true, do all the forms of things that demand and suck up your attention and your awareness, does everything for which you're willing to put up with a diminution, a lessening, a thinning, uh, an attenuation of your awareness, exchange with you properly? You know? For example, I mean, an extreme event is you get hit by a car. Your awareness cuts right out because you're unconscious. You're knocked to the pavement. What's your exchange for that? Uh, there's no exchange, really. It's, you're getting ripped off. You're, you're you're getting the raw end of the deal if you're having your awareness totally tugged away out from under you. And so, rightfully, we object to that. <laughs> we object to pain that will knock us out. We object to pain. Life is about avoiding pain and looking for happiness, Right. So, on a lesser level, here's a question for you. And maybe this is my this is my really my big my big question. What is the exchange for your awareness offered by medical marijuana? If not your awareness, maybe maybe somebody you know. I ask this because in LA, I, you know, it's impossible to miss the billboards everywhere advertising the availability of this now very legal hallucinogen. There are even, I see these signs saying, free weed delivery, you can just call a number or text and it shows up at your door. Boy, that's a big change from when I was growing up. I went to uh, high school in the 70s, Taft High, class of 77, go Toreadors, and I of course had my share, my fair share, maybe more than my fair share of experiences with weed, Uh, and at that time, Why I got involved with marijuana, not that you asked, but um, I was nervous. I did it to handle my nervousness. I had intense nervousness about my future, as any high school student does, and about sex and about, I don't know, just hormonal things. Not sex, but just hormonal growing and wondering and worrying. You know, when you're 16, 17 years old, you have a lot of peculiar uh, sensations going on in your body that are rather hard to, uh, you know, ignore, and so your awareness gets drawn to these things. And so I was really looking for a uh, something that would kind of, I don't know, uh, distract me. And uh, I had a girlfriend at the time. She introduced me to marijuana on my insistence. I won't blame her. Uh, I could see that my other friends who were smoking dope were seemed to be smiling and laughing a lot, and uh, giggling and having a good time, <laughs> and. I thought, well, that would be better. That would be better than the worry I'm going through and the fretting and the nail biting. So heightened awareness, however, was not one of the side effects. It was not what I was looking for and it was not what I obtained. What I did experience in those times is probably better described as uh, other awareness, reduced awareness, uh, scrambled awareness, or just plain, whoa. So today, with weed now not only being legal, but being sold enthusiastically in various forms, edible and otherwise, I imagine there are weed suppositories. Uh, it's available virtually on demand. What does this do? Here's my question. What does this do to the general level of awareness that we all share, the general level in the society of actual, reliable, shared awareness? It's a social experiment, and we're in the middle of it right now. Now, I do understand the argument for medical marijuana, I think. I understand that the reduction of awareness of pain and discomfort and perhaps nausea and other undesirable states is the stated goal and purpose of, quote, medical marijuana. That makes sense to me. I've not uh, been unfortunate enough to have cancer, but I know many people that have. And I, I figure anything you can do to get you through that rough spot, I think is, is, is totally fine. And I would never disparage anybody for that. Uh, that makes sense to me. And I don't agree that making drugs illegal or keeping them illegal, like marijuana, as, which has now changed its category or its status as a legal uh, controlled substance. I don't agree that keeping it illegal is the answer to man's general difficulty uh, with substances. Uh, All that illegality has really created nothing. The war on drugs has been a complete ridiculous failure, in my opinion, and has created criminals and created violence and created uh, nasty industries and has done nothing to solve the problem. I don't know that legality will either, but at least it will make less criminals. I think it will be a lesser evil. I think it's smart. I think the, the, the answer to that really is always going to be education. I'm curious what you think about this. What percentage of marijuana users today are actually smoking dope because they are in urgent need of pain relief or nausea relief? Or how many are just smoking dope because it's fun and they're getting high and they've kind of, it's sort of a habit. I remember in my day, it was a kind of a habit and I would resort to it even though it would waste uh, the rest of my day or weekend because I would get off onto some weird tangent I had a roommate, a uh, lovely guy, and he would smoke a lot of dope and he would do his homework and and he could focus and I think you know, it's quote helped him focus or whatever and you know I never really looked at his at his homework, so I don't know how effective that was, but um it certainly attenuates shrinks your your awareness. the other thing. I realized one day is that uh, the negative effect of drugs that people don't ever talk about is like, okay, well, if you say, well, okay it doesn't lead to heroin. It doesn't lead to this. It doesn't lead to that. Fine. That's debatable. But what about the decisions one makes when one is high? You know, the little decisions we make every day are like the ideas we get or the plans for the future. And they have a lot of power. Uh, your life started with various ideas of what you wanted to do and what you planned and intended to do. You made those decisions and plans based on your awareness of what was in front of you, what the possibilities were. And if you do that in a kind of a a state that is not fully aware, then what are those decisions going to add up to? I know I had to go back and scoop up a lot of old decisions that I'd made that were frankly stupid Because I had made those decisions and made those plans based on the erroneous data that was being handed to me by my own condition of being unaware by virtue of drug use. You know, you can get high and you can go, oh, man, you know what I want to do? I want to do this. Or what I don't want to do, I want to never do this. And you may forget all about that decision you made. I know I did. I'd completely forgotten about some of them. And then they come back and hit you in the face. And you're like, why, why did I ever get that idea? And it takes quite a bit of digging to find out where that came from. So what percentage of people using uh, marijuana today are actually doing it because they have a, a health concern or a palliative need? I suspect it's not a big percentage. So right now we're kind of seeing the effect uh, in the United States that... Uh, well, any inhibition has once it's been lifted, right? It seems like a full-on orgy of consumption. At least it's an orgy of marketing in answer to the, the prohibition that has just been lifted. Um, it seems like the pendulum has just swung right over to the opposite side, all the way from Nixon to Cheech and Chong, if you will. And if you couple that with a rise in the use of antidepressants, apparently tens of millions of Americans on those. Uh, alcohol, wine seems to be in a renaissance. I mean, wine, you can get wine delivered <laughs> to your home. There's all kinds of deals about that. Uh, half of Trader Joe's seems to be wine these days. And just all the other mind-altering substances peddled today. I should say I enjoy wine very much, but uh, you know that definitely has an effect on one's awareness that you have to be aware of. Be aware of your awareness, folks. And if you couple that with with the marijuana usage, all these different demands on your attention, you wind up with a very interesting scene. And this country is quite interesting, isn't it? There's a lot of division and argument and so forth. An interesting scene. You know, there's that Chinese curse, may you live in interesting times? I think we live in pretty interesting times. So none of this is new. But a trend of Human beings participating in more and more and more means to legally or illegally escape reality doesn't form a part of the formula for a strong and lasting society, I don't think. Because that society, that kind of society, depends upon a high degree of shared reality to function efficiently and survive and do well. Interesting question, I think. Worth asking. How long is the pendulum going to keep swinging toward this new this new Cheech and Chong territory? Well, I think it's going to be a while before this all settles down. I mean, it's been prohibited so long. I think people need to get it out of their system. I guess my point is here, I don't have a beef against people that, that smoke marijuana. I have many friends that do, dear friends. Uh, I would never try to talk them out of it necessarily, <laughs> although I wouldn't encourage it. And I certainly um, won't promote it, you know. Uh, because I know it's a blind alley like like all drugs are, they're all blind alleys. they all look good and they all feel good and then boy, they bite you in the ass, some of them bite you really hard. Um, that's why I wrote the film I wrote about the opioid crisis, which is now still just blazing. So I just think we need to take a look at it. It's worth asking oneself. it's worth taking a a, a good strong look at. you know it's a sad story, but we all have to be custodians of our own awareness, if you will. We have to safeguard our own awareness. We have to know where we're spending our awareness. So we just have to be careful. I think we have to not neglect our awareness as a vital asset and just trade it willy-nilly for anything that's attractive or trendy or numbing or a you know, waste of our time, especially especially now, because even though everyone in history has felt this way, now is the time when we're either going to make it or not. Now is the time when the world either ends or we have a happy happy period. History can be reassuring, but we only will avoid repeating those awful disagreeable uh, tragic parts of history by exercising and fostering and encouraging awareness and certainly not by abandoning awareness of what's actually happening around us. So that's my thought for today. I know it's a bit heavy. has nothing to do with doing Ian McKellen or Tommy Lee Jones or Robin Williams, although it does have a relationship. But uh, I thought it might be worthy of, of your uh, perusal or listen-oosal. It's a good new word. Okay. Your listening-oosal. Okay. Hey, listen. Thanks for listening. Thanks. I really appreciate your attention, the fact that you gave me some of your attention today. I hope I brought some value to you. Uh, you again real soon. Thanks a lot.